Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Hello, listeners. In my opinion, this is the most wonderful time of year. Halloween. I love the cool weather. I love the look of an orange and red forest. And of course, I love our temporary celebration of all things dark and eerie. For a few weeks in October... Even your grandmother's favorite drugstore will be selling skull-shaped coffee mugs and blood-splattered napkins. What's not to love about that? Now, seeing as the world has transitioned to one of horror and darkness, I'd like to do the same here on nighttime, but I find it a little tough. I suppose this show exists in a sort of perpetual state of Halloween. But fortunately, there are many spooky listeners of this show. And it's to them I turn to tonight. Earlier this month, I made a post across the various nighttime social media accounts requesting listeners who believe they've had an encounter with the supernatural to contact me. And, well, they didn't disappoint. Just as I had expected, you, the listeners, are as haunted as any decrepit farmhouse. And we're about to hear all about that. Let's get into it. Pour a drink, dim the lights, and get yourself cozy. Tonight, in this Halloween special of nighttime, we're going to hear from some nighttime listeners who will share their encounters with the beyond. I got your message on Twitter. I'm, I'm so delighted to hear your story because I know uh, I know the the river it's set at. But be, before we get there, tell me who you are and, and where are you from? I'm James Forsey. I'm from Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia. The most beautiful island on the planet, by the way. God's uh, country. Coincidentally, I'm from, I'm from there as <laughs> yes. well. So it's a beautiful place. And in your message to me on Twitter, you told me that the story takes place on... The Marguerite River, is that right? That's right. Actually, to delve deeper into it, it took place on a pool called the Cemetery Pool, which oh, you cannot make that up. Fitting. I know, it, it's so cliche, yeah. Mm-hmm. So just, so when did this happen? Let, let's set the scene for me. So this happened in 2011. Um, uh, it was just a, a few months after the Marguerite River had a, a huge flood um, where they washed out bridges and things like that. And uh, when you go to fish the cemetery pool, which is way up in big intervals, it's, it's basically the last pool you can fish on the Marguerite River before the river closes to salmon fishing. And uh, you usually park at the cemetery and you walk across the, the head of the pool and then come down the other side and fish it. But 
because the river was so high, you have to actually drive over the big interval bridge and park at the quilt shop there and walk down through this long trail through the woods. But because there was a flood a few months earlier, there was no trail in the woods. So uh, when I got there to the quilt shop, um, there was a bunch of us gearing up, and I said, "Well, I'm not. I'm not waiting for you guys. I wanna. I wanna run down the river and, and get fishing because I, I knew the conditions were optimal. So as I'm I'm beating it through these alders and and brush and rose bushes and everything else, trying to get down the river, I just uh, I heard this this voice go. It, it, it's so funny. Like people laugh it, but it's true. It, it, this voice said, uh, "You who?" And I looked over, and there's this man standing there. And I said, oh, hey, how you doing? And he had a, a Tilly hat on. He had, like, straw hair. He was this old fellow, glasses. Um, had this old pair of green waders on. And and I said, oh, how you doing? He said, uh, you're, you're looking for the river? I, I, I was complaining about the trail being washed out and everything. And he said, yeah, yeah, just you're not far. And I said, uh, were you down there fishing yourself? He said, yeah. He said, I was down there, me and one other guy. He said, uh, the guy down there fishing now, uh, he, he got a salmon there about an hour ago. I said, oh, okay, cool. And I said, well, have a good day. And off he went. So I got down to the river, and sure enough, there was one guy fishing there. And my buddies were still up at the quilt shop or, or making their way down too. And I walked up and started talking to the uh, the guy fishing there. And I said, so I heard you just lost, uh, you know, had a salmon. And he said, yeah. He said, I just uh, had one about an hour ago. Said, how, how did you know that? And I said, Oh, that guy that you were just fishing with, I just passed him in the woods there. He goes, no, nobody's been fishing with me here today. He said, uh, I've been fishing here alone. I said, no, the old guy that I just passed in the woods, you know. And he said, no. He said, dude, I, I've been fishing here alone all day. And I said, wow, that's strange. And so my buddies came down through the woods, and I said, you guys run into a guy in the woods or anything? And they're like, no. And anyway, I said, wow, that's that's kind of odd. So anyway, I never thought anything of it, and I came home that night, and my wife and I were just uh, having supper, and she tells me that uh, her co-worker said he saw a ghost on the Marguerite River that day, and I looked at her, I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? She said, at the same part of the river, um, this guy was fishing alone, and this other guy came and joined him to fish, and they would fish for the morning together, and he said... Uh, he said, uh, what's your name anyway? And whatever the guy's name was, you know, so John Doe, you know. So oh, John Doe, what, what's your father's name? He goes, oh, you know, John Doe Sr. He goes, I thought that. Are you guys from Sydney? And he said, yeah. He goes, I know your dad really well. I used to fish with him. He said, you you tell him Big Dan said hi. And he said, okay, I will. And that guy went home and told his his uh, father. He goes, listen, man, I ran into an old, old guy who fished with there, uh, Big Dan. He goes, Big Dan? He, he, you ran into him? He said, he said, uh, yeah, he said, what did Big Dan look like? And he explained to me, he goes, Big Dan's been dead for 15 years. Huh. And uh, and the way he was described was the same guy that I saw in the woods that day on the same day. Wow. So that was my that was my ghost story. So, and, and after, like, when you saw this guy and you walked off, like, you didn't, it wasn't until that night that you felt anything was up. Like, it just seemed like a regular old guy cutting through the woods. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't realize uh, anything. Uh, I I just said, well, that's weird. Like that this guy didn't see him here. Maybe maybe he was fishing a different part of the river. Maybe he was fishing somewhere else. Like I just didn't care. Like I just it didn't ever think to me that this could have been like uh, the paranormal. Mm. You know, like this was like just some random guy. But he was. I remember he struck me as odd because of the way he greeted me with that like 
like weird like yoo-hoo kind of thing i'm like whoa this guy's a weird fella you know what i mean and uh and then when i thought about it the guy didn't have a fishing rod in his hand when he was coming through the woods like when you're going through alders you got like a rod over your head trying not to get it caught in trees and brush and stuff right Mm -hmm. and and uh he was just kind of standing there in the middle of, of the woods uh, like through, I'm talking thick alders and bushes and and rose bushes and things like that. And and uh, anyway, we, and it wasn't until I got home that night. My wife tells me a story. I didn't tell her about the guy. She told me about this guy. I said, yeah, he was fishing way up river and ran into this guy. And and I and I later found out what what the guy was explained to look like. And I was like, that is exact same dude that I saw in the woods. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah. That's nuts. But it, it makes sense. A lot of people, like if they, if you could have any kind of afterlife, there are a lot of people who would spend it uh, fishing and walking around on a river. So yeah, maybe that was just how he's deciding to spend his time, and it was just for whatever reason that day, a couple of people managed to get their eyes on him. Yeah, who knows? Well, that was a, that was an awesome story. That sent uh, that had the hair on my arm standing up. The 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 sound <laughs> of the woohoo. That's, uh, that's oh, freaky. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I'll, I'll never forget that guy. Cause I'm like, what, what kind of weirdo is this guy? Like, who, who, who greets someone like that in the woods? Yeah. Like, especially Gabe Bennett. It's usually like, what's going on? Yeah. You know? Stop. <laughs> hey, bud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He bums a smoke and carries on. Yeah. Uh, there's, exactly. Yeah. There's a story from New Brunswick. I don't know if you ever heard of, there's a story of, it's called the, they call it the Dungarvan Whooper. Or or Dungarvan Whopper or, or Whooper, and it's like a, a ghost story about the woods in the Dungarvan River in New Brunswick. People hear somebody uh, making like whooping sounds, going like whoop whoop in the woods, and it's it's kind of it, when you were doing the woohoo, it kind of reminded me a bit of that. But yeah, that's that's awesome, James. I I uh, I fished the Dungarvan River. Oh, did you? I I fished it several times. Never heard the ghost story, but I'll tell you, it's so funny you say that. I, I've never had chills fishing in my life. I always got creeped out by that river. I, wow. I if, if you don't, the Dungarvan is absolutely in the middle of nowhere. It's literally like you go on uh, a dirt road from this little town called Blackville, and you're on that mm-hmm. dirt road for like an hour and a half before you get to the river, and it's like literally just pine trees and a, and a, a dirt road, <laughs> and you get to this river. And I always fish it, and I just think it was just the isolation. Like, man, I feel like I, I don't, I never ever got a good feeling about it. And it's funny you should say that. Maybe I was being watched by the whooper guy. <laughs> yeah, you should check it out because maybe you, maybe you were around there. Well, I'm gonna tell you. Listen, uh, if you got a second, I could tell you another ghost that I've seen. My wife and I have seen. Yeah, I, I'm attracted to this stuff. <laughs> have you ever heard of the Inganish vampire? No. Now. So one night, and this is just really quickly, yeah. one night my wife and I were walking from the Inganish Chalets to the, um, oh my God, what's the name of that shitty old campground in Inganish? Um, There's a lot of them out that way. No, no, no. This is the, the worst one. The, the, oh, the, uh, oh. Anyway, we were walking down and we heard uh, uh, someone kick a rock behind us. And it was only woods. There's only like a... a there was no way he wouldn't have came out of the woods. And I turned around, and we just saw this huge black figure behind us with a huge top hat. And my wife looked at me, and she went, look at that guy. <laughs> and I said, I'll get, I said I'm going to smash him with this bottle if he comes close to us because we had a, a, a handle of rum with us. Yeah. And I turned around, and he was gone. 
And I, so anyway, her and I both said, like, we saw the same thing. And my wife, I might embellish things a little bit. She definitely doesn't. Okay. She's in public relations. <laughs> and I brought this up to the guy uh, who does the haunts from the Cape. Yeah. Um, his kid and my kid were playing together on the playground. I said, yeah. And I told him my, my Marguerite story. And I told him this one. And he said, my friend, you met the English vampire. And I guess when you go down to the Celtic Lodge some nights, you can look down the rocks down there. You'll see him standing on the rocks and the waves pounding through him. And he just keeps standing there. Like wow. he's just like, it goes right through his apparition. Mm -hmm. But that's, uh, but I guess over the last five to 10 years, they're seeing a more and more and more down there. So pretty cool. Wow, that's uh, you're either lucky or unlucky or cursed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Kristen, I, I got your message on Twitter. Your story sounds sounds amazing. But before we get into it, t tell me a bit about you. Who are you and where are you from? I live in Burlington, Ontario, and I am usually an event producer, but during COVID, I am not <laughs> at the oh, moment. Yeah, I guess the pandemic is not a good time for event producers. Not when literally your job description is put a few thousand people together in a room and party. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, and where's Burlington to Toronto? It's it's uh, that's on the outskirts of Toronto, right? About forty five minutes west. Okay. And the story that that you have to share takes place in, I believe, in Gravenhurst, Gra Ontario. If I'm Gravenhurst. Okay, the word grave in there. I know. Makes, it's kind of fitting. Where is Gravenhurst? Gravenhurst is in. Uh, you've probably heard of Muskoka, where people go to cottage. Yeah. Um, Gravenhurst is part of Muskoka, so it's about two hours north of Burlington and about a, an hour and a half north of Toronto. Okay. You say to Cottage. This is a pretty, like, a rural area, I guess, when you're, it's like, country roads kind of place in Gravenhurst? Yes. You know, you have to drive 25 minutes off the main, the most main highway to get there um but the bed and breakfast that we stayed in was right in town gravenhurst is just a small cute little town uh that basically survives on tourism um mm. but and that's actually where my parents live now is right in town they only live a couple blocks now from the place that we stayed okay i'm almost picturing like the, the setting of any stephen king novel gravenhurst like that kind of town oh. like on, the, on the on the outskirts of town is cottage country but in town everyone has a dirty secret <laughs> um i don't know how many dirty secrets there are because it's mostly retirees <laughs> okay you'd be surprised i'm sure but maybe there's a lot of stories i don't know <laughs> it's just a tiny little town that is you know your typical Canadian tiny little town where people would tell you turn at the Tim Hortons and everybody would know what that meant. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Because um, I totally get the type of town you're talking about yeah. now. <laughs> so tell me what happened. This It takes place in a bed and breakfast. So why, why were you staying at a bed and breakfast? And tell me what happened. Sure. Well, my parents were just starting to build a cottage from scratch. They'd bought an empty plot of land and they were going to build this uh, pretty large cottage on it. So 
we they they were going up for the weekend on a long weekend and uh just asked me at the last minute if i wanted to come to and see the progress and i was like sure absolutely that'd be great well since all it was was basically a hole in the ground <laughs> at this point um it couldn't stay on our on the property that we bought um so my parents had a reservation at this little bed and breakfast on houston street in gravenhurst and at the last minute my dad called up the lady who ran it and just said you know our daughter would really like to come do you have any extra rooms and she said well no not technically but you know sometimes when this happens i've made up the laundry room into an extra room and you know, it's, it's nice and there's a bed and, and everything and I'll, I'll make it as nice as I can. My dad was like, oh yeah, that's great, perfect, no problem. <laughs> so the laundry room was the only room on the main floor of the house that had a guest in it and that was only occasionally. The rest was like a living room and a kitchen and, and things like that. And everybody else was upstairs. So we didn't spend a lot of time at the bed and breakfast. It was literally just a place to sleep, a place to grab a meal, and then back out to work on the, the property that we had. So so we get there in the evening and, and check in, basically, and it's it's very welcoming and everything. And so my parents go upstairs to their room, and the, the lady shows me to this laundry room, which was very spacious and lovely. But anyway, and I was like, great, wonderful. And she's like, have a good night. I'll be back in the morning. Because she lived, I think it was across the street. Um, anyway, so uh, I just got ready for bed. And as I'm getting ready for bed and really snuggling into the covers and just about to go to sleep, without a shadow of a doubt, it was as if it was happening. It was like an old grandmotherly lady came in, checked on me, tucked me in, basically made sure I had everything I wanted and, and knew that everything was good and this was a safe place and everything. And then I just, I was, and I knew that that's what was happening, but it wasn't frightening. It was maybe slightly odd, but it was very, a very warm, comfy feeling. Did you see like a, did you think it was a real person or when you say you knew what was going on, like, could you tell this was something unique? You could tell it was just a feeling. There was nothing to see. There was no light or glow or orb or any of that. It was truly just a feeling. And it was almost as if you were telepathically having a conversation. Like, I didn't say anything out loud. I didn't hear anything audible. But I absolutely knew exactly why she was there and what message she was conveying, like, without a doubt. Wow. And what happened from there? Like, was it significant enough that you told people like the next morning oh, or that absolutely. night? Absolutely. I got up the next morning and I've always been totally fine with the concept of ghosts and, you know, spent my time with a Ouija board as a teenager and all of those <laughs> sorts of things. Um, so, and I think being open to it is, is part of the whole experience. Mm -hmm. So at breakfast the next morning, I just said, to the, to the lady as she was bringing us juice and things like that. I said, oh, do you know you have a ghost? And she just stopped and both my parents really just stopped like, oh my gosh, she's finally lost it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and the hostess of the bed and breakfast kind of stopped and was not at all surprised. And she said, well, it's not the first time I've heard that. Hmm. And she said, why, what happened? 
And I told her that basically someone had come and tucked me in and checked on me at night and, and how sweet it was. And it was an older lady, quite short and, and all of this. And all of this, like I said, I didn't see anything. It was like, I just knew anyway. And she said to me, she goes, it's strange that that's what you mentioned because the woman who used to own this house um, she used to use it as a boarding house. Like she ran a boarding house because she was not married and this had been their family home and she had, I guess, inherited it or whatever. So the, the person who ran the bed and breakfast was actually able to bring out articles about this woman like that she had saved. I don't know whether they came with the house or what the story was on where she got them. But so she had pictures and stories and stuff of this woman running it as a rooming house and i was like absolutely positively that is who it was So before I tell you this, I, I wanted you to know that I am a lifelong skeptic of all things psychic and ghosts. I'm I like a very, <laughs> I'm a very like reasonable, logical person. I like science. I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a highly spiritual person. So I'm not really like a ghost story kind of person, but this still happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad that they would reveal themselves to you. I know, right? Of all people. Um, So it was 2005 and it was like the year before I met my husband and a close friend and I had signed a lease at an apartment in Brisbane, Australia. And so we were kind of going to be living together. It was going to be great. And the first few months went okay, but we kind of started to sense like a presence in the apartment and so it was a two bedroom apartment and I had the bedroom with an ensuite and my friend had the other bedroom that had an adjacent bathroom that I kind of walked past down the hall. And so she was a hairdresser and she would often be in there like blow drying her hair and she would all of a sudden get a cold flash and the hairs on her arms would would start to stand up and she told me that she felt that something was in the bathroom with her but Mm. it wasn't malicious and it wasn't scary so I was just kind of like eh um and obviously I I, I'm like she was a lot more spiritual than I was so I was just kind of like okay you had this experience great but a few days later, I was walking past her bathroom and I, f- I felt that same flash of cold and I can't really describe it very well, but I, the immediate feeling was that I had walked through someone or huh. they had walked through me, but we had passed through each other and <laughs> it, was, it was freaky, but again, not scary. Um, and then by this point, my friend and I were kind of talking about it. And for some reason, we both instinctually knew or thought, I guess, that whoever this thing was, it had a female energy. So we just kind of started calling her she. 
And so it's like, oh, I, I, I felt her last night or something. We, we would have these little experiences um, and they were never scary. There was never any like rattling of doors or whatever, but it was it was always kind of a a temperature and a, and a feeling of a presence. And sometimes, and this was scary. It, what happened was scary, but I wasn't scared. But sometimes I would like wake up in the middle of the night and suddenly my heart would just be pounding and I I could sense her standing next to me. <laughs> but it's so weird. But again, like there was nothing scary about it. There was no bad energy or or I didn't feel like she was going to get me she was just kind of standing there and then things kind of continued to go on like this Um, we were there for two years and then one night uh, it all kind of came to a head and so my friend and I used to love sitting out on the patio and smoking cigarettes and listening to music and so we were doing that one night and chatting and then all of a sudden this kind of gust of wind came and there was a big pile of leaves on the balcony and it kind of whipped them into a mini kind of whirlwind on the table that we were sitting at so we're kind of sitting opposite each other on this round table and on the table was like this whirlwind of leaves and probably like two feet high and we were just sitting there it's between us we're like looking at each other going what the hell is going on this like wind is just going around and around on the table and then all of a sudden the leaves just dropped on the table (laughs) and we knew that whatever happened was over but it was again it wasn't scary it was almost like kind of a euphoric experience like a really positive and happy experience Uh, And certainly not one that I will ever forget. And we both kind of felt like whoever it was, like she was confirming to us at the same time that she was there because before all our experiences had been separate. So I guess from that point, we couldn't really deny what was happening. Um, And I I haven't told a lot of people about this because quite frankly, it it, it sounds ridiculous. (laughs) Hey Jordan, uh, this is Nick from the East Coast, PEI, uh, first time uh, potter, long time listener. Uh, so I just want to tell you a little bit about a story that happened to me about 10 years ago. This was uh, just before I got married. Um, it was in Prince Edward Island in Rice Point. And uh, yeah, I was at a friend's cottage uh, before my wedding and uh, there was about four of us together and uh, we're kind of hanging out uh, inside the house a little bit and uh, yes, we were having a few libations um, so we were feeling rosy but uh, but I stepped outside and uh, kind of looked over the, the water there. It's got a great view of the, of, of the, the water so I could kind of see what's coming over and, uh, and then I saw, um, at that point I saw a, a, a circular, I don't know what you call it, a round circle with, uh, with a red um, light in the middle and it was kind of, uh, I'd say it was like hovering, silent, very silent uh, and it was hovering and, uh, and coming across the water kind of towards us. Um, and it, it stopped uh, kind of where, where we were and then it, it kind of kept going and by this point a couple of my friends uh, experienced that and uh, it was pretty incredible. 
Uh, we went back inside and I uh, kind of felt that the experience uh, wasn't over, for, for me at least. So I came back out, I stood on a picnic table, and at that point I looked to my left and, and there it was. It was uh, super close and uh, I could hit it with a frisbee close uh, just above the tree line. Um, it scorched away towards Charlottetown um, pretty impressively. We took some old grainy videos on a, on a Razor Motorola phone or something like that. Didn't really uh, come out very well, of course. Uh, but uh, I looked into your podcast later on. I saw that there was some uh, reports of similar stuff uh, in the area. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. So. Hi, Jordan. It's Lisa Terrio from the Supernatural Pet Sightings Podcast. I have an unsettling experience that happened in my youth that I'd like to share. I would have been maybe six or seven years old, and I had a black and white rabbit hound named Skippy. Skippy was more of a hunting dog than a family dog. I suppose my father didn't want the dog to become too domesticated, so he built a large insulated kennel on the back of the garage. From there, he extended some fencing so that Skippy would have room for exercise. I loved that dog. Every day I'd let the dog out of his kennel to play in the backyard. Eventually, the dog passed away. I can't remember exactly what happened. I just remember finding his kennel empty one day after school. I'm sure my parents had an explanation, but I can't remember what it was. About a year after his death, I was in the backyard when I saw something unusual in the corner of my eye. I turned my head in time to see a black shadow that looked like a dog. It was up against the garage wall, and my first thought, of course, was Skippy. I ran towards it, but this thing zipped around the garage and disappeared. I remember everything being dead silent. I mean, any animal running that fast would have been panting, at least. You'd have heard the thud of paws on the ground, but there was no noise at all. I remember looking out over the field in the back of the house. I spun around looking for signs of this dog, but there was nothing. You might think if it were a dog, he could have ducked into another house, ran into the woods, or something like that. But where I lived in the country, you'd have at least seen him trailing off in one direction or another. Anyway, the moment passed, and another year went by before it happened again. I caught sight of the same dark shadow and took off after it. Once again, the shadow zipped around to the other side of the garage and disappeared into thin air. I was all alone in the yard, listening for sounds, scanning the property for any sign of a dog on the run. Nothing. I had this feeling like I was being watched, and the little hairs on my arms and the back of my neck pricked. For some reason, I had this feeling that I shouldn't be standing there, so I just went back in the house. I didn't tell my parents because I was pretty sure they wouldn't have believed me. Anyway, time went on, and it never happened again. But I never forgot about it. It's one of the reasons I started the Supernatural Pet Sightings podcast. I'm glad I did because, judging from my guests' stories, it happens a lot more than you might think. Anyway, that's my story, Jordan. Thanks for letting me share.
Hey Jordan, I don't have a Halloween specific spooky story, but I have a little story from when I was a kid. Um, I was in my own bedroom. Uh, my brother had gotten his own bedroom, so I was by myself, uh, but I still had the bunk bed in my room, and I was up on the top bunk, and I was trying to go to sleep. And I could hear footsteps one night in my room, somewhere on the carpet. And, you know, when, you, when you're a little kid, you, you get the image in your mind of where it is on the floor, sort of, to me, it sort of felt like it was uh, near the, the, the doorway to my room. And it wasn't like heavy footsteps, so that there wasn't any creaking of the floors or anything like that. It was just footsteps, so it was more like weightless feet on carpet, if, if you can kind of wrap your head around that idea. So anyways, I, I heard these footsteps, and it really scared me. You know, I was listening, and it was just like, dude. Do, and I just, and you know, as a little kid, you're just like, okay, I've had enough of this. And I <clears throat> tore off down the hallway to uh, the living room where my parents were. And they, they were watching TV. I, I, I can't rem quite 100% uh, remember what they were watching. I believe it was Simon and Simon. So this would have been the early 80s. So um, I was probably around 8 or 9, maybe 10. And uh, this this just freaked the hell out of me. And... Uh, uh, you know, later on, after we, we moved out of this place, I, used to hit, uh, I had, a, had a talk with my mother about it, and um, she didn't she didn't like the house either uh, that much. It kind of it kind of spooked her a little bit, especially the basement. Nobody liked nobody liked the basement. My brother eventually got a room in the basement. My dad renovated uh, the basement and put a, a room in. Then my brother moved down down there, and dad turned his old room into an office, and. Um, my mom said he used to see people down there. And given what's happened to me later on in life, um, I'm I'm thinking that was probably more like going to sleep or waking up from sleep and you see people or see things. Um, I have, uh, have I've experienced um, the, the 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 paralysis thing, but without the paralysis. So I, I wake up and my dreaming center doesn't quite turn off right away and I'll see things or hear things uh it's always really freaky but um uh, and now that I'm older I know what it is and it doesn't really it still scares you but you know what it is so it doesn't frighten you but uh, I think maybe that might have been what he was seeing in the basement he was waking up and it wasn't quite but then again I've never really talked to him about it um there was, uh, you know, it, it was a it was a new house. It wasn't an old house. It's in rural Nova Scotia, and uh, just outside of Truro. And my, I can't remember if it was my mom or my dad, but they told me when they dug the foundation, they found bones, and they found like ash, like there was a bonfire or something. So, you know, it's the old uh, trope of uh, maybe there was a native settlement there, or there was some sort of ceremony that happened or maybe they had buried somebody or you know they could have just had dinner there one night i don't know but that was the story that was relayed to me but anyway that was a creepy old house i don't know if the people that moved in there have ever felt anything weird about it because you know that t a lot of this stuff tends to be in your own head and, and, and you know i was a kid and i was you know god knows how much sugar i might have had that day but um that's my story
I want to thank you for joining me for this collection of true stories. Whether you believe these witnesses or not, I think these and the millions of stories like them make me question if I'm ever truly alone. And with that, I'll end this episode of Nighttime. But before we part tonight, I have to give some thanks. First, a massive thank you to everyone who took their time to share their stories with me for this episode. You are all fantastic. And then, of course, a huge thank you to everyone listening. Without your interest and your support, Nighttime wouldn't be anything more than a vague specter haunting the memories of people who used to listen before the show died. But the battle to keep Nighttime out of the spirit world is still raging on, and I hope I can get your help. If you want to keep the show breathing, please subscribe to the Nighttime Premium Feed. Not only does it make the show possible, it'll give you more of each topic than you're going to find in the free feed. For example, after this episode airs, I'm going to release a collection of listener-contributed stories that I originally aired back in 2006 and has long since been removed from the feed. You can subscribe to the premium feed at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. And now since I brought up the premium feed, I'm going to thank the newest subscribers, Christine, Mary, Lisa, and Tracy. Thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't help financially, you can help keep Canada weird by simply sharing the episodes on social media. And if you have any story ideas or want to give me feedback on the show, you can reach me at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. As well, you'll find me on social media. I use Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and my handle is nighttimepod. Now until next time... Take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you've seen something you can't explain. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. Yoo-hoo. Yeah, so my name's uh, Keith Mullins. I, I play music for a living. Uh, I live in Bedeck, Nova Scotia, and I have three kids and another one on the way. You're a busy guy then. Busy guy, yeah. You, you had uh, come to me with um, a, a collection of stories from past experiences you've had, but the one that that really struck me was the story you had set in a, like a, a train, I think you called it like a train house in Shubenacadie? Right, okay, so... There's this house, if you're heading to Halifax from Cape mm-hmm. Breton, and you, there's, a, there's an overpass in Shubenacadie, and just after that overpass is this really um, striking-looking tree. And it's in, actually in front of, like I think, like a, a huge McDonald's sign yeah. and maybe some other advertisements. Well, right across the road from that is what in the neighborhood they call it uh, the train station. Okay. Some people called it the post office. But I'm I'm not sure if it ever ever was either of that. It, but I do know that it there it, when it was built, the um, the guy that that built it, he was a Freemason and he he was very he was high up in the Freemason and they they used to have ceremonies and hmm. and uh, meetings in there a, a really long time ago. The house is is very is really really old, and so I had moved in through uh, it was kind of through family that I got into the house and rented it and I rented it for about 
three or four years. It was very cold. It's it's a brick building, and it was it was really cold in the winter. And it, it was we I think I I cut like ten to twelve cords of wood, uh, just just to keep the like the, the main room uh, warm. Now there was always noises in the house. Uh, doors and cupboards were always randomly opening and closing. I remember um, when I moved in, they said, "Oh, you you know you probably heard it's haunted because it's through family." And I was like, "Yeah." And and when so the first story that the first main story that I have was uh, there was this one night I saw this hazy blue looked like an elderly lady, and she walked by the room. And then she went upstairs, and there was all kinds of noises going on upstairs, and there was always noises upstairs. And it was like 3 a.m., and I, like, turned on on the lights, and I was like, is anybody here? You know, and uh, and no one answered. And I was like, uh, we live here, and we, w- we want to share the space. <laughs> and, and, the, and it stopped. Uh, and then another thing that happened was my, um, my buddy Drew, who moved in, uh, with us, he he had first moved upstairs, so all his stuff was upstairs, and he lasted like two days. He, he couldn't he couldn't stay up there. He was so he was so freaked, and he so he moved back downstairs on the level that we were on, and all his stuff was was up there, and his he said I think he said his stuff was like was messed up, and he said there was two bar stools that he had and he said when he came up like a day or two later he said they were up against the window like two people were looking out the window and I hadn't I hadn't changed them and and he hadn't changed them and it was just like but those are a few little things wow and you say you hear sounds from upstairs like in an old house you're gonna hear like kind of creaks and noises like do you think it could have just been stuff like that or do you do you get the feeling that there was more to it it could have been but it it really sounded like someone was walking around up there often 